and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Red pill or blue pill? The blue pill lets you stay in what you perceive as reality. The red pill lets you see the truth of your reality. Without it, you won't see either your unseen enemy or their unseen allies. Which would you take? Lead teacher Randy Pope continues the series The Unseen with this message entitled The Unseen Allies which covers Revelations chapter 13 and 17. Thank you for joining us today. Now we turn our attention to a very challenging and important subject matter. We pray, would you please open our hearts to understand complex truth and that we might grasp it in a simple way, that we might be able to be alerted to the realities around us, And so, God, we're going to just entrust ourselves to you and ask you to bless my communication of your great truth that we might embrace and fall more in love with Jesus because we have. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine that you are going to an event that you cannot get out of. You have to go. And you know that your arch enemy, the one that hates you the most and the one you would hate the most, is going to be at the same event. You know that this one that hates you so badly is intent upon hurting you and hurting you very severely. You have a good idea that uh, that may well take place at this event. But because you know who this one is, him or her, whoever it is that you are so concerned about, by the fact you know him or her, you, you know to keep your eyes open and to watch and to see if you see something a little unusual coming at you, you know to get prepared. But the scary thing about this particular event is you have learned that your enemy has three dear friends that are loyal to the end and will do anything that their friend says to do. And you have heard that it will be their intention, not just your enemy, but your enemy's allies to hurt you at this event as well. It wouldn't do you any good just to learn their names because names alone would not help you identify who they are. But if you didn't know who they were, I will assure you, you would be going to that event with great insecurity and many fears, right? That is the story of many of us walking into life every day. The event of life we walk into and we know we have an enemy. And we know the enemy is known as Satan or the devil, the evil one, call him what you want. And we've been, as Christians, perhaps learning a bit about him and his ways. And we can see when he's doing certain things. We're alerted to that. Not enough, but we certainly can pick up from time to time, this one would be of him. But you know the reality is, you and I probably haven't had, maybe never had an encounter with the devil himself. Do you know why? Because he's not omnipresent. The very fact he'd have to be in Atlanta, and then of all the Atlantans, he'd have to, he'd have to choose you and say, I want to, now maybe that's happened. I don't know, but probably not. Just hearing that much and hearing that he has some, some allies, maybe you're thinking in terms of demons. You've heard of demonic possession and the demons that exist globally. We've taught about the unseen realities of the unseen world. This series is entitled The Unseen, and we've looked at the angels, try to see, well, there are good angels, there are bad angels, and 
try to discern between and what they do and all their backgrounds and all of that. We then looked at Satan, the devil himself, trying to learn what the scriptures tell us about him. Very important. And now we turn our attention to the allies. And the allies are not demons. They are very real. They are the allies of the evil one. I've been uh, talking not a lot, but just to a few people about the series that we're in. And in doing so, when appropriately, I'll ask, let me ask you about this next message. You've been in the Bible a lot. And these are people that are pretty knowledgeable of God's word, very involved in the faith of following Jesus. And I say, let me ask you, do you know who the three allies are? Would you even have an idea by name what they're called and, and who they are? And, and the answer I'm getting to that is no, I really don't. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but would you know who the three allies are? And if you say no to that question, I will tell you, you are handicapped in your faith. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to speak particularly to young people today. You that are youth, junior high, high school, I'm telling you what, you are handicapped in a big way if you don't understand these three allies. I'm going to give you their names, and after I give you names, maybe you'll say, I know who they are. But even then you might say, well, I really don't know. Who are they? The first is called the sea beast. Hmm. Second, the earth beast. The third, the great harlot. Now do you know who they are? I've asked that question. And the answer is, I think so. And I'll tell you this, I haven't heard an answer that I agree with yet. Maybe I'm wrong. But by the fact that when I was given the answer, it would be, I'm not really positive, I'm not sure. And I say, well, can you tell me a little bit about who they are and so forth? And, and we're going in totally different directions. Now, what you're going to hear today comes out of the book of Revelation. A lot of people think that's one of those real mystic, weird kind of, oh my goodness, you know, they're into that stuff. No, 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 listen, you got to understand about Revelation. Revelation is not what you think it is. If you think that it is a book for the last few years before Jesus comes back to know what's going to happen, bless your heart, Christian, you do not understand you have missed the whole picture. And that's the way it's been portrayed to many of us. And so if you hear the earth beast or you hear the sea beast or the harlot, whatever you want to call them, immediately you're identifying, yeah, it's, uh, it's this particular movement or it's this particular individual that'll come in time and then this, that, and the other. And oh, we, how the evil one has been clever to get us off track there. Because the truth of it is, the book of Revelation was not written for just a few years right before Jesus came back. It was written for the end times. Now, I can say that, and many would say, well, I thought you just said it wasn't for the end times the last few years. Well, it's not, because the end times, biblically speaking, using the term in Scripture, does not talk about a few years before Jesus comes again. The end times is a term used in Scripture to talk about the period between the death and resurrection of Jesus and when he comes back again there's the end times and the book of Revelation was written for the end times it's written the same for the generation of John who writes this epistle as it is written for you and me today 
And maybe for the generation that's coming, if Jesus determines not to come back for another generation or two or 10 or 20, it's written for every single generation. And we need to know that. It was not written to satisfy the curiosity of Christian people as to what to expect in terms of who and when and so forth. It was written for the single purpose of comforting, and I won't say single purpose, but the primary purpose of comforting believers like you and me who are having to fight every day the battles with these three allies. So what I would like to do is encourage you to the book of Revelation, not to flee from it and say, oh my goodness. In fact, I have a series that I've done that you might be interested in. It's uh, the keys that unlock Revelation. And, and it, there are, there are a handful of keys that I go through and people don't know the keys today, unfortunately, and they don't know how to unlock Revelation. Therefore they say, oh, that's so weird and crazy. I don't know. Nobody's going to understand it. That's not true. It's not some hyper complex teaching from God. It is merely complex teaching from God. It's not simple, but it's not what people are making it out to be. I'm not going to be able, as I go into a few of these texts, to identify every detail and walk through it and so forth. I've done that in another series a number of years ago called The Rest of the Story. If you're interested in that, you're welcome to get through Revelation through that teaching. But what I want to do is focus on these three allies. And my goal is at the end that you and I are going to be looking at life a little bit differently. My prayer is that you high school kids might go to a gathering of your peers and you'll say, uh-huh. I see you, harlot. I see you there. Point over and go, mm-hmm. And there's the sea beast right there. Oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I see the earth beast. Mm-hmm. You're not going to trick me. I know now going to make all the difference in the world, I pray. Okay? You ready to identify the three? Let's begin. The first I have already mentioned as by name, the sea beast. Now to understand the sea beast, what we're really talking about are the power structures of the world. The power structures of the world. They exist throughout history from the time Jesus died until now, still, power structures. Let me ask you, are you amazed how stupid our government can be? <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, don't you just sometimes say, this is not possible. These are educated humans. They can't be thinking what they're thinking and doing what they're doing. Well, see, it's not just stupidity and decisions. It's a philosophy that so much has been embraced of the power structures of society today that we shouldn't be shocked because this is what we're going to be seeing in Scripture, that, that the evil one has at, at his advantage the power structures of the world, meaning those power structures that are outside the dominance of Jesus Christ, the domain. And we should be expecting that certain things would happen. Doesn't it amaze you that so many governments of the world today are outlawing Christianity and those that are not outlawing Christianity for the most part are trying to cripple the church and say you can't say this you can't do this you can't bring up that name you can't this we'll sue you for that does it not just does it not just amaze you 
There used to be a group called the Alliance Defense Fund. They've changed it to Alliance Defending Freedom. Alliance Defending Freedom. Just go on their website and look. These are, this is uh, many leadership in the legal world who are Christians trying to defend Christians today. And just look at some of the cases and you say, you're kidding me. In America, we're being sued for this. We can't do that. Well, what's going on? The government is pushing against us. Why would that happen? Go overseas. See how many countries that Christianity is outlawed. Mention the name of Jesus. I've been in places that said, if you speak Jesus and you talk out loud to some of someone, you know what? You could lose your life. Certainly, if you are from their country and you do that, you would lose your life. Put in prison, whatever you go. What is happening? What are these Christians doing that's so scary bad? It is absolutely proven. You bring Christianity into a culture, and there is called redemption and lift. You see the community grow in its economic stabilities and so forth. You see hospitals start being built. You see care being given. You look at the tsunamis of the world, whether it be a real tsunami or some other type of natural disaster, and who is it that's coming and saying, we want to help and care and give relief? It's the Christian community. But hey, let's martyr Christians. Let's outlaw Christianity. We don't want to see that kind of stuff happen. And you say, what are you thinking? And we go, this has got to be something more than natural. And so the teaching that we'll see here is that there is a power structure under the authority of the evil one. And he's utilizing it to keep the faith from being what it is to you and me and what it should be. I'd like for us to, to read just a... A little bit about that in Revelation 13. We'll start in verse 1. It says, And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. There's the sea beast, as we call him. Having ten horns, seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. So uh, the seas there, uh, they just represent the multitudes of, uh, of peoples and nations. And we're going to see that in another text in Revelation uh, 17 coming up. So there's no question what seas refers to. It will identify it as the multitudes of peoples. Now it's saying of them that there is an authority called the beast. Now beast is a term that's used to refer to power or authority. And so this one comes out of the peoples, the multitudes, and their governments, but not just governments. They're power structures of any type, whether it could be in the economic power sub, uh, structures. It could be, it doesn't matter, social power structures. That's what I'm concerned for our young people because they're under the influence of social power structures that are an ally to the evil one, and we want to be a part of those power structures. And we're jealous and we're hurt and we're depressed because we're not included and made a part. Whoa, 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 whoa. We need to identify them for what they really are. Look at verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and his great authority. Look at this. The dragon gave him his power and his throne. Huh. Now, Understand this, that this is a composite beast. It's the same thing you see in Daniel 7 for you that are Bible students. And we know there as here, it represents successive governments that are in power and authority. 
starting with old Babylon all the way through Macedonia and then to Rome. And we can identify those. We understand that. But then we see that there are some interesting things about particularly one of these particular authorities. And so we look at verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And I'm going to suggest to you, could be wrong on this, but I think it's fairly clear that this head, and the heads are talking about authorities and governments and so forth uh, in historical life at that point, probably referring to Rome. And it was during the time of Rome, it was under the leadership of, of Rome, that we know that Jesus came and through the cross crushed Satan. But there's a sense in which though he is not destroyed now, he is defeated. And in a sense is back to life in that he can still roam about as we talked about last week and seeking whom he may devour, but he no longer has the true victory. He has been defeated. I would suggest that's what it's talking about. Look at verse 4. They worship the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, notice they're worshiping the beast, not the dragon, they're worshiping the beast. Hmm. Saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? Now, if we look at, uh, at verse 5, this is going to be a little interesting. This will be a little bit more complex, follow with me. It says, there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Now, 42 months. Were you with me in the last teachings that I've done where we talked about the story of the church, the woman? She gives birth to the male child, Jesus, and then the male child is captured up to the throne of God, the resurrection, and the church, the woman that, that was the, the church there as, as, as Christ was born. From that point, she had to go into the wilderness and would be there for 40 two months, but it didn't say 42 months. It said 1,260 days, which is 42 months. Another place in Scripture you'll see a time, times, and a half time. One year, two years, and then a half year. All of this I argued before is referring to the time between Jesus' first coming and second, but this is coming out of the story of First Kings. In the book of 1 Kings, in, verse, in chapter 17, we have a commentary in the book of James 5, verse 17. And there it talks about the unusual protection and nourishment of God to his people during a three-and-a-half-year period. We know the prophet as Elijah and others during that time that God was nourishing and protecting his people in a supernatural way. Well, if you were with us in the previous teaching, remember the church that gives birth to Jesus and is in the wilderness, is, has to be in the wilderness for this 1,260 days, nourished by God, meaning provided for by God. I'm going to suggest this is talking about the entire period from the first to second coming of Christ and how he is going to take care of his people during that time. I've mentioned the book, uh, More Than Conquerors, made sure we had more books in the bookstore. If you want to understand all the detail and all this, there's no greater source. I've learned so much from him. Uh, this Hendrickson, William Hendrickson, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Deceased now. But what a great understanding of God's Word. 
You can go back and study more in detail than I give you there. Let's, let's look at verse 6 through 8. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Verse 7, it was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. Meaning those that are non-Christians, everyone will worship him. Except those that are truly his. They will worship. They may not say they're worshiping him, but they are. They're worshiping the beasts, the power structures of this world. Now, the next verses I'm not going to read from that same text. But if you go on, you see that then the martyrs are brought up and the martyrdom of the church. Saying that's what happens when you don't follow the power structures. They'll martyr you. Very contemporary to this day. Do you know there are more martyrs this year than any year in the history of the church? not something that used to happen. It's happening now in ways it's never happened before. How interesting. So let's just understand that this is not just governments, but these are power structures. Broadly speaking, any power structure that's not under the authority of Christ, living for his domain and his goodness, it would be all of the other that would be there. Those would be that which is considered the sea beast. Everybody understand that? So we got kind of a general understanding. Let's move now to the second ally, the earth beast. I'm going to suggest to you the earth beast represents the pagan religions of the world. The pagan religions of the world. It's also got another name, and this one makes a lot of sense because it's called the false prophet. Think about the pagan religions. And I want you to think beyond pagan religions, but philosophies as well. False prophets. So let me ask you, just like the governments, aren't you bewildered from time to time about people that are in full-time religious work, even under Protestant or Catholic domains, that you get to talking to them and they don't really even believe in Jesus as the Son of God? I had a pastor that did not believe in many of the basic foundations of the faith that made me question, as a young person, could this man really be a Christian? I'm not going to judge his heart. I don't know, but I'll tell you, I didn't see the evidence by what he believed. And I think, why do you go into the ministry of Christianity and not have a love relationship with Jesus? Why would you do that? Well, it begins to make sense. What about all these philosophies that are coming out that are that are challenging us to say yes. And how about within the church? Oh, you can't believe and trust in God because God doesn't know what's going on. He's too good. He wouldn't let something bad happen to you. You know that. He's a loving God. And then we hear that and we feel that. We go, oh my goodness, what do I believe? What do I think? And all of a sudden we go, wait, 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 wait. Earth beast. Know what you're after. You're after my mind. You see, the sea beast would be the arm of the dragon. The earth beast would be the mind. He wants to get to our minds. So our young people, go just tell, don't just tell the people around you at school your core beliefs in life about God and Jesus. See what they say to you. Uh, just bring up the morality of Scripture and therefore your beliefs not to have premarital sex. 
See what they're going to say to you then. Hmm. I'm telling you, folks, it's everywhere. This is a reality. He says this isn't for some individual or some weird creature that's going to come about at a certain time. No, that, that's the great argument that Satan would want us to believe so that we wouldn't have our eyes open every day saying, where is this earth beast? I'm looking out for you now. It'll make all the difference in the world. Let's look at verse 11. Chapter 13, it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. I bet at that point, maybe John thought, Oh, here's, the, here's Jesus. Here's our Savior. Uh-oh. And he spoke as a dragon. Just to hear what he said, maybe how he said it, says, this is not God. This is speaking evil and wrong. And he understands that, though he appears so harmless. And this religion, doesn't it appear so harmless? We just care about people, and that's all that counts, and we want to love, and let's all be together. Let's agree on whatever, you know. Verse 12 says, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. Now, that's interesting. This beast wants you to worship the first beast. Not him, but the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember the World Council of Churches. You don't hear about it as much now. I know it exists, but uh, some of the older people remember that. But mainly for the older people, I'd use this illustration because you relate to uh, communism and socialism. I mean, back when I was coming up, that was the big enemy uh, of the church was socialism and, and communism. Isn't it amazing how religious uh, power structures in the world today and false religions go hand in hand and commit one to the other. The younger generation today is a little different. They're not thinking here in communism and socialism so much. What we're hearing about is radical Islam. And we're hearing, hmm. Now look at the nations that are married, I mean joined at the hip with that faith, whether it be a, I, don't even, I mean the countries are obvious, you know, whether it be uh, Iran or, or Syria or wherever, you, you hear, and well, there's, they get along great. They're, they're connected. That's what you're seeing in the teaching here. That's what we should expect in the world today. I, I think it uh, maybe is best understood as we go to Revelation 13, beginning at 13. It says, he performs great signs so that he, that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives, there it is, deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. And so the idea here is, yeah, you can see all this uh, uh, unusual ability and capability and goodness of these things. In fact, maybe uh, look at Matthew 24. This will make Matthew 24, 24 come alive. It says, for false Christs and false prophets will arise, will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So keep in mind what this is. This is just all of the, all of the structures of the world that are bringing their philosophies or their religion to bear, saying you don't need to depend on Christ alone, any other. That would be the earth beast. Now, I meet with people at lunch quite often. 
And, and you know, I noticed that there is a distinct difference. Somebody asked me recently, would I meet with so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, they, told, I, they told me a little bit about it. I said, you know what, it, it'd probably be a, a, a lost cause. Who knows? But and they said, well, wait, 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 wait. You just had mentioned earlier in this same group I've been working with, they said, you just said the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, and it doesn't matter how much opposed and so forth. I said, yeah, but you're talking about somebody who's so steeped in religion and so convinced of their religion, other religion, that that's going to probably be a different deal. What am I saying? They are so entrenched in the heart of the earth beast. Let's not, not talk to them. Let's do it. But let me tell you, Expect this is going to be a battle of battles because this is a different deal. Whatever the case, it's a hard teaching, but it is so critically important to understand. Let me show you here. I think what we've built here is a picture of an unholy trinity. Look at the first, the dragon. Isn't he depicted as the father? We read of him. He initiates the sea beast's coming. He gives authority, his authority to him. Hmm. That's interesting. Look at the sun. The sun is the sea beast. We read of the sea beast. He exalts the, uh, uh, he's the exact representation of the dragon, hmm, as is Jesus, is the father. He was dealt a mortal blow, as was Jesus, and he rises to life again, as did Jesus. Pretty interesting. How about the earth beast? There's the Holy Spirit in this trinity of evil, causes men to worship the sea beast. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit causes us to worship the, the, uh, the sun? And then manifest the miraculous. Don't we call upon the Holy Spirit to do things like the things we pray for that are supernatural? Absolutely. So now we've talked about the pagan power structures and the pagan, pagan religions and philosophies. Uh, the reality is there is a third and this is the one that I'm most concerned for this church. If power structures and pagan religions and philosophies don't deceive mankind, let me tell you, the seductive influences of the world will. And that's his third pawn, the seductive influences of the world. We call that the harlot, the great harlot, or Babylon the Great is another name for this one. Described in Revelation 17, 1 through 3, it goes like this. Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and spoke to me, with me saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. A woman. Now this is the, the, the harlot. Sitting on a scarlet beast, there is the, the sea beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, as we read that, we understand a little bit. Here is this idea that, that there is the, the uh, uh, we'll call them seductive influences, that are so attractive in every way. Well, the next verse is going to really help us understand it. What, look what it says following that. It says, the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet. How beautiful. And adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. Mmm, all the better. Having in her hand a cup, and it's a gold cup. Oh, 
Now, do we not love that? That sounds fabulous. It looks beautiful, and it does. But full of, cup full of abominations and the unclean things of her immorality. You see, young people, you're seeing that golden bowl everywhere you turn in your school and at the parties at night and this, that, and the other. And the big hype and excitement is, boy, what was in that gold bowl? Man, was that not cool? The sex, the drugs, the opportunities. The, man, this is where life is. This is it. Let me tell you. It's not where it is. You remember my youngest son told this story here before, and he'd come to me and say, Dad, I don't want Christianity. I don't want God. I want to want God, but I don't want God. Why not? He says, because the things of this world right now are so fun. It's so, I mean, it's, I just, but then he says, but Dad, I know what it's going to do to me. I know it will destroy me in the end. So pray for me that I would have a, a want for God, not just a want to want God. That's the reality of life today. We're so believing the lie. So we come to, uh, to verses 15 and 16, which ends the description. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are the peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Remember, that's what we said the, the waters or seas were. And the ten horns which you saw, and the beasts, these will hate the harlot, and will make her desolate and naked, and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. You know what it's saying is? At the very end, this stuff that sounds so sweet and feels so good, you love this premarital sex? You, you love the drugs? You love this? You love the materialism? You love to be able to, to delight yourself with all kind of pleasures as long as you want to all day long and do what you want to do? Let me tell you, you think right now that's life. It's not. That's what he's saying. Understand what it really is. It is the pawn in the hand of three allies that hate you and want to destroy you. And the day will come when every person, that's what this is saying, will see that stuff in the golden bowl and say, Oh, my goodness, why did I spend so much to purchase that which destroys? I hate it. Learning the lesson now, so much better than any time else. I put it this way. The scriptures say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist and he will flee. You believe it? I think so. That's where we're going next. We're going to be talking about how do we resist. But I want you right now, and laying the foundation for this, just to know this. That we are in a good position, not the position we often think. When I was a, a, a dad of a little kid, you know, you know what I do? I, and now I'm doing it as a granddad. I'm the best magician you've ever seen. Man, I could take a coin and have it come out of your ear and out of your nose, out of your mouth. I could swallow it, bring it back up. I could do anything with a coin. And they just marveled at what a magician I was. And then I remember the day... When my firstborn says, give it up, Dad, I ain't buying this for a minute. <laughs> and now, all over, he now had figured it out. Well, the truth of it is, there's so many of us that, that have been living life as like, we haven't figured it out yet. We're being tricked by the evil one. We don't know that we can resist. I was speaking to, a, to someone recently, and they were telling the story of, um, of their dear loved one. And this loved one was breaking their heart because this one was married to a man that was being very abusive, not physical, but every other way. 
was not taking care of anything in the family, was not picking up one hand of responsibility, was absolutely doing things that just broke my heart to hear. And I said, does the church say there's biblical grounds? And said, well, not really even gone for biblical grounds for divorce because that's not even an option. I said, really? No option? Why is that? Well, because she's the breadwinner and earns all the money. And her lawyer's already said that he'll get half of your money and he'll get the kids half time. And you don't want the kids to be under his care alone. He says, I'm trapped. I have no way out. I can't resist. You see, that's how many of us are living. And we're being, we're, we literally are being abused by the evil one. And we're taking the abuse saying, there's no way out. That's life. Power structures, you know, you better go along with them. Beliefs, you better kind of bend to some of them. And, you know, the seductive things of the world, you better just buy into them because that's the only way you're going to make it in life. That's not true. We have authority that's been given to us because Christ has defeated our enemy and his allies. We have power over sin. We can resist the evil one and he will flee. Just to give you that hope. I want you this week. I want you, when you look around, I want you to go to a movie and go, ah, there's the harlot. Mm -hmm. Oh, look here. And kids, when you're at school, there's the power structure. And I've been so jealous to be a part of it. I'm thankful I don't have to be a part of it. I'm a child of a king. I'm a part of his community. And I've got, I've got the authority over the authority of that group. Let me tell you, that'll put you in a whole new position of life. You've got to first know that before you can understand how you resist. That's where we go next, okay? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray. Enable us to go to the cross and understand that it's not our power to resist. It's not our ability. It's not our our strength. It's not our morality. It's only what you've done for us. You've covered us with your righteousness through the work of our Savior. And with that righteousness, we've been given the victory already. And I pray we might be able to live victorious and not just be battered, beaten up, abused by the evil one and his allies. So give us hope, give us strength, and through the end of this series, teach us how to resist well that he might flee from us. Not just that we would have a better life, but that you might be honored. And we thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.